and good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us. And hi, listening to us. Thank you for making the sports and the world podcast a part of your day. I'm Gary, And I'm Chris. And thank you so much for all of you listening. And I hope all of you are safe out there. And how are you doing, buddy? How you doing, buddy? I live to die another day, man. Just, uh, just plugging and chugging. Making the best <laughs> yeah. of these lovely Corona days. The lovely that that feels like it should be a book, or someone should write a book. A lovely Corona. It sounds like a book, like maybe like a Truman Capote type book, like Not, the Corona Day. You, you know what it is? What'll be funny in books and in, in coronaviruses is that in the future, like twenty, thirty years down the road, and people go to look back at this, and depending on which side of of history, because naturally, of course, the the conqueror uh, gets to write history, as as we all know. Um, how this will go down in history. So when kids are in like elementary or junior high or high school and they, they get to learn about the coronavirus of 2020, um, just, just how comical it'll be between like, you have like the fat slob Karens and they're like mobile little wheelchair things, sucking down quarter pounder cheeseburgers from McDonald's and diet Cokes concerned about their health. And then you have legit doctors saying this and then other doctors saying that. It, it, that, that will be a fun thing to read. I, I hope I can I could score me one of those books if we all don't die before then. Yeah, it's I, it's one of those things, like you say, you know, the, the victor writes the story. And I think a lot can be written. I think, and before we get started, I think people are learning a lot about themselves. Because I think we talked about this maybe a couple of weeks ago. We talked about how being enclosed and how, you know, routine and whatnot. And I think people, you know, people are trying to read more. They're saying that they're losing weight. And I'm like, look, I'm not going to lie. I feel like I gained a little bit more. And I feel like I I, I read naturally. But I feel like I should be reading more. Like, Like, it hasn't really, like, drastically improved my reading. I just think that it's a time to, I think, for people to kind of put things in perspective. I think it's to kind of understand where they are, because I think I always say, like you made the point, it's like when you have doctors, you know, listen, smart doctors, not, not like, you know, Dr. Phil's. So if you're if you're listening, Dr. Phil, I don't apologize. But the point yeah. is, is that. Well, OK, I do apologize. You, you know, no, he's you probably a Cowboys. He's probably a Cowboys fan. But the point is, is that. I think when you have so much contradiction and you have so many, so many theories and. It, it, it's kind of reminiscent of like how people like the UFO theories and it's like how people, is their life beyond I'm like yeah. when, when, when we're talking about 2020 has been a type of year where I it just sucks to be the person who has to write those history books for the kids I mean it's just I I, I wouldn't want you know how like remember when we were in school they had like the textbooks and how they you know would talk about like different centuries and different and like you know it was easy to write like you know a revolution it was because you know it was Happened it happened three, hundred some years ago, yeah. Yeah, it was like pretty straightforward. Yeah. Now you're like, I like, like this Jesus, shit. Like how, who, how, why? You know, listen, if you're a kid twenty, like listen, if you put this episode in a vault, I think me and Chris can agree, you kids are may semi be screwed. But you know, you're, that's listen, you're uh, in yeah, that's just <laughs> you're in for a treat. You're gonna love it, kids. I- ignore us. Your kids are gonna it's gonna be great. You know, I don't know what kind of tests are going to be. I, I want to be the first who proctors the tests. Yeah. Because there really, yeah. there literally can't be no Sign wrong answers. Out. 
Yeah, there's no wrong answers. I was like, yeah, every yeah that happened, everything happened. But speaking of things happening, let's dive into what's going to be happening really soon, and that's the beginning of baseball. And you and I know we're very very excited. I think we talk about how we you know we like all sports, but I think we kind of lean toward baseball a little bit more for different reasons. And you know either you know playing it and then having a favorite team, and you know there are a couple of you know be, you know season starting soon. So I just want to get some of your thoughts and your insights and then delve into some of your predictions for the upcoming 60-game baseball season. Look, man, I, I'm, I'm excited. I, like, like I said, I, uh, I lean a little bit more towards baseball. I grew up, you know, playing it. Um, you know, it's like America's pastime. It, it's one of those things I think some kids have a deeper connection to and, and it goes into adulthood. And uh, I think we're like that last generation of where we really hold baseball as a precedence compared to some of the young bucks. Um, you know, July 23rd, we'll get 60 games. That's, you know, that's 60 more than honestly I intended watching. And then we've got to see some of these spring training games. Um, you know, luckily up here, I've gotten some of the local cable affiliates uh you know, to, to do their magic. So I got to watch a little bit of the Yankees and Mets game a couple nights ago. Uh, I got to see the, uh, you know, the local market. I live in the Philadelphia market. So I got to see Philly and New York go at it. You know, the Yanks, that was cool. Um, you know, it, it still sucks cause you don't hear like the, the, the crowd noise and, and all the ambient background, uh, noise, but I'm still excited for it to happen. It is weird, though, that when Aaron Judge hits a ball, A, it sounds like a bomb going off, and then you don't see people in the stands like trying to run each other over to go, to go dig it out <laughs> wherever it lands. Because uh, that, that one that he hit, I mean, he 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 got full on that bad boy. He sent that bitch into orbit. Uh, yeah, I saw so that, I'm, yeah. I, I'm excited for it. So for this, um, you know, and like as you guys know, we normally do um, – some like pre notes and, and and we'll get down and kind of talk about like, we'll come up with topics for the week. And then, so we'll kind of do our own due diligence. We'll meet up maybe once or twice. And then, you know, pre-show we'll, we'll go over uh, a few things. Um, so what I did for baseball, what I wanted to talk about uh, is I came up with my predictions for each division uh, East Central West ALNL victors, World Series contender, and then I have a team with a question mark that I think might be an underdog who we could see in the World Series. Bum bum bum. Cue creepy music. <laughs> oh, I wish I could do the Halloween theme voice. Yeah, right. You know, maybe maybe one of these times I'll bust out the keyboard and uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll start jamming out while we're uh, while we're mid session here. <laughs> oh man! You know, but before I, you get in, my I'm gonna tell you what my niece did to me before we before you get into it. My niece, for some reason, this is like years ago when I had like when a don't ask me why a and t at and t for a cell service. I don't want to get into the logistics of it. But anyway, I was I was sleep, and she had my phone that day. And then, like, I was dead sleep, Chris. And then the theme, boom, 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 boom. And we're talking like one, two in the morning. Chris, it scared the hell out of me. Because I'm like, and I, I, I try to stay guarded. I'm like, and she, and I'm like, I, I, I called her and I said, why? Are you trying to, are you trying to kill your uncle? Like, why? Why would you? 
you know, well, maybe they are. I don't know. I watch too many movies. But anyway, but with that little story, um, give us your predictions, Chris. So, um, all right. So, like I said, I came up with divisional champs each and then uh, and then World Series contenders and then my my wild card team that everyone really needs to watch out for. So, uh, number one. So, we're going to start off with the NL um, and then we'll work our way to uh, the AL. So, number one, uh, for the NL East, I think naturally we all know kind of where where you think I'm going to go with this uh naturally I'm you know people I'm going to go with the Nats to win the division now just remember what I just said there the Nats to win the division um for the east they've got a good complete program you know they're coming back off of a world series you know they're going to be hyped on and even though it's 60 games I think a lot of teams I think the 60 game stretch might help them because if you think about some of the bigger teams, the 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 Nats, the Yankees, the Braves, the Dodgers, you know, the Astros, um, all their good players, they tend to start getting high mileage and start breaking down. You know, look at the Yankees last year. I mean, they they set an MLB record for most injured starters in one season, for Christ's sakes. Um so I, I see them going ahead and winning the uh, the NL East, but we'll circle back to that later on. Uh, the NL Central, uh, I see the Reds actually doing some damage here. I, I think they they've done some they've made some good moves. Um, I think it's the most wide open division between the between the three in the East, um, or excuse me, the three in the NL. Um, there, there's a lot of talent there, but I also think that there's a lot of room for improvement um, compared to the other divisions. And then, of course, on the West, naturally, the, I mean, it's the Dodgers. I mean, they're by far they're they're the the best team I think on just just the West Coast of the country in general, um, if not west of the Mississippi. To be honest with you, they they've got a fully packed program. They've got pitching. They've got mid-relief, they've got closing, they've got bats, they've got a bench. They've got every piece you need to be a successful team in a 60-game league or a 162-game league. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely riding high on the Dodgers for the NL. Uh, for the AL, um, I've got the Astros winning out the West. Naturally, there's again, there's really not much competition, um, you know, going out there. The Astros did lose some talent, you know. They're, uh, you know, we 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 might have acquired this pitcher in pinstripes named uh, Garrett Cole. Don't know if you heard of him. We'll see how he pitches. <laughs> you know, now the other thing is the the one thing this one I actually tossed up between the, you know the the Astros and the Angels is let's not forget. You know, the Angels have Mike Trout. <laughs> um, he, he's kind of it, it's kind of like in uh, in like the first Avengers when when Loki's like, I have an army and, and, and you know, Tony Stark, I, you know, Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man, whatever you want to call him. He's like, and we have a Hulk and Hulk just like grabs Loki and starts slamming him on the ground like a rag doll. I just that, that, that's like that's Mike Trout to me. He's just he's just that big of a human being. Um, that I just I think he can just do some serious serious damage. Um, so the Astros might need to watch out for him. Now, fun fact: as we are doing this episode, um, 
if you noticed a couple hours ago, there have been a few uh, Astros players that have acquired some new bruises over the past couple hours, if you catch my drift. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw some <laughs> of those. Jesus. I call that street street justice is what I call that. That that ball that uh, Altuve ate, oh, my Lord. He just <laughs> – he he ate that harder than Zeke Elliott in a bowl of cereal, man. And we all know Zeke can get down on some cereal. We've seen the memes. Oh, oh yeah, Jesus, it's, it's you, have to, you have to turn away, but you still want to watch. That's how yeah, it's, I feel it's like watching, watching a cereal. it's like watching a train wreck happen. I uh, I felt like you know that scene in Superbad uh, with Seth Rogen and McLovin and McLovin he's get punched in the face and they're watching the security footage in the bar and they just keep rewinding it. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I I watched. I think it was on MLB or ESPN's uh, Instagram. I just rewound that video like ten times just to watch him get wailed by a ball. It brought so much joy to my sick little heart. And again, that's what I like to call some street justice. Uh, back to the standings. So, like I said, the AL West. I got Houston, but you know they can't sleep on uh, on the Angels. Mike Trout is is lurking. Uh, the AL Central, uh, same situation. I think both Central divisions, NL and AL, I think are arguably the weakest in in both divisions. Um, I don't know why. It's just weird how it works like that, but it's somehow it is. I think the Twins will uh, will win the AL Central, and the Twins will do in Twins tradition. They'll play really good ball for the regular season. They'll get into the postseason. And they'll get smoked faster than a bowl of pot sitting in Snoop Dogg's hand. So we can promise they're not making it to the World Series. Uh, and then last but not least for the AL East, I think you already know what team I'm going to uh, put on the high horse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, the Tampa Bay Rays, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. cold day in hell. Uh, <laughs> definitely the Yankees um, taking the East and taking the East by storm. Um thankfully, and this might have even worked out in some crazy Cosmo-like way. Now, now, mind you, I'm thinking on a whole different wavelength. I literally spent, as you saw on Facebook, I spent all weekend kind of like essentially nursing a hangover. I went out Friday night and realized I'm not quite 21 anymore. And uh, Saturday and Sunday were definitely recoup days. Uh, I found out that Ancient Aliens is on Hulu. I spent. So you kind of you fell in the warm hole, didn't you? I, dude, I fell into a fucking vortex, my man. I grabbed a whole box of tinfoil and just wrapped my head in it. And let me tell you, I, I discovered a lot of things like insects are aliens. Uh, you know, like Jesus was probably an alien. Like, I mean, there was just, I mean, d- like the stuff that they were like leaning on. And then my hungover, like probably half drunk ass, that's still kind of functioning somehow, but you know, barely. Uh, like I'm thinking this, and I'm like, you know, this kind of makes sense, you know, because when you're just like so like mentally just, you know, I don't want to say mentally drained, but when you're just so blah. I mean, I woke, I literally woke up, ordered Bob Evans and had it delivered, you know, using the the wonderful the wonderful world of DoorDash, and. I was flipping through Hulu and I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to eat this food real quick. I just need something to like, 
you know, watch the background so I don't have to hear myself chew. And I saw Ancient Aliens, and I'm like, oh, okay, like, I can get into this. Then it starts talking about how, like, insects or aliens, Zeus is an alien, Thor, alien, uh, Chinese dragons, well, those are spaceships, American Indians can talk. I mean, it, it was just, it was so out there. So now everything I look at, I have, like, this, like, there's like a cosmic reason why I'm, I'm probably sounding like a like a nut job, like I should be sitting in a padded room wearing a white jacket. But don't judge me. Um, last year, circling back to baseball, because I know I just yeah, went you know, wait. Uh, yeah. Are Are you in a padded room right now, Chris? I might are as well. You? I might as well. This is this coronavirus does you, man. What I did is I just did the 12 parsec jump in Star Wars from one side of the galaxy to the other and back that quick, guys. You, you just rode with me. Um, the Yankees last year, what was their problem with Aries? It was injuries, right? Yeah, very fair. Plagued by injuries. That just, the recuperation times, you know, you got this guy going down with Tommy Johns, you got this guy with a hip flexor, this guy with, and sometimes you just need to, like, rest. And it's like a car. Sometimes you just got to rip apart the block and, and, and put it back together. And I think with, with, the extended vacation that teams got courtesy of the coronavirus, I think honestly might've did the Yankees some good to really get these guys 100% battle ready. And then to only play a 60 game scratch, you know, stretch instead of 162 game stretch. I don't see a lot of opposition, honestly, in the AL East. Um, the Rays, I think are the closest, uh, uh, you know, ball club. I don't see Boston doing anything. I damn sure don't see Toronto doing anything. Um, all all Toronto's got to happen is Drake put on a, a Blue Jays jersey, and their their stadium will probably catch on fire or something. Shout out to the Notre Dame. <laughs> I see what I did there. Uh, <laughs> you know, but the Yankees just and they're just such a complete ball club. One of the problems we had last season was pitching. I think we suffice it to say went out and solved that problem in the off season. Um. So that's that's where I'm standing on on season, uh, you know, on on all the divisions. Now for the World Series, um, I think based on the commentary that that I gave, I'm sure you probably know. I got two teams I'm I'm I've definitely rode high on uh, in the AL naturally the Yankees, and then in the NL uh, the Dodgers. I see those two going in in into the World Series and it being a great World Series, but. What also that I talk about in the beginning of this that I said I had tucked away? Oh boy, had that had that sleeper team that that wild card. Yeah, yeah, uh, you did. There is a team down in the dirty South called the Atlanta Braves. Mm-hmm. That's a team I don't think you want to sleep on. I think if the the Nats make one miscalculation if they make one bad decision going into the playoffs i think it'll cost them and that that will put the braves in there and i honestly think the braves just have enough young talent and have enough tenacity to get there kind of like that that they've got everything to win and nothing to lose you know they're just they're supposed to be the scrubs and just kind of like the nobodies. They just they have so many because right now, like if if you look betting odds, they've got uh, betting odds going uh, actually for the 
the Braves to win the NL East by like a significant. But I think the Braves will do what they do traditionally, and that's fumble around in the, in the regular season. Um, and then they'll, they'll, they'll definitely get a wild card spot, I think, by leaps and bounds because there's no other NL team. I think that's close to, to besides the, uh, the Dodgers that could even contend with them. Um, I could see them slipping into the playoffs and potentially slipping into the World Series over, over the Dodgers. I, I still ride the Dodgers pretty high for making it, but I still, I still think that the, the Braves are not a team to sleep on. So write it down. Let's talk about it 60 games from now, and we'll see where we stand. How about that? Yeah, and that's what I got for baseball. So I'm gonna turn it over to you, my man. Thank you, sir. And you know, as you were talking, I, I when you're doing your divisional picks, I, I agree with you. The only thing that I disagree, respectfully, I think the Braves are good enough to beat the Nets, and I'll explain why. When I look at when you look at the Braves roster. And but more importantly, we look at the Braves roster. You see, like Ronald Acuna Jr., that's a star. You got Freddie Freeman, that's a stud. And you know, to me, the biggest thing, Chris, is the pitching, especially in a sixty-game setting, where I think I use the phrase that it's a it's a sprint, not a marathon. And so I think hitting sometimes takes an adjustment for some teams, while pitching I think comes more automatically, in the context of. That's why pitchers and catchers always report first to spring training because it takes a rhythm. It takes a pattern. You know, with the Braves, if the pitching outside of their rookie, Mike Soraka, I think he's very good. I think that the thing with the Braves that kind of stops them from being like that team, Chris, I think it's the youth and I think it's the lack of the bullpen. I think that now we're in a phase of baseball, now in an era of baseball, where you got to have deep pitching. You can have a couple of, not say like superstar arms, but you need a couple of good solid arms, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. And and, and I think the Braves kind of fall short there. I think they have the bats and the youth to get there. But but my thing with the Nats, I think the Nats are wild. I don't think the Nats are terrible. But as long as you have Strasburg and Scherzer on your team, you're not doing bad. So I just look at the Nats and I go, I look at how slow they started last year. And they can't afford Chris to start slow whatsoever. Yeah, they're, they're and, you know, definitely kind of like a diesel motor. And so at some point, you know, that engine's got to turn over a little bit faster than what it used to. 162, like you can wait a couple of minutes the engine to, you know, wait for the engine to turn over and get where you're going. But Chris, if you don't t- if you don't turn on the engine quicker, you're gonna you're gonna fall behind the race. That's what I think. But just to go over some of the things you had, like I think the Dodgers, I I'm not gonna argue with you there. I think that maybe this the only team probably in that division that has a decent shot to maybe somewhat compete is maybe the Diamondbacks. Maybe. Because I just think, you know, adding Madison Bumgarner, they got pitching. The hitting is there. You're seeing a lot of youth spring, especially a lot of youth batters. So I think the I think the Nats just don't, you know, excuse me, the D-backs just don't have it there. And the Central, Chris, I kind of feel it. And I'm a Cubs fan. And I have to go with the Reds for a reason. You have Luis Castillo, and then they got Trevor Bauer from the from, from the Indians. I think pitching like like I always talk about. I talk about pitching the same way I feel about quarterbacks because it, I think it's important. I'm not saying hitting's not important, Chris, 
But you have to have at least one or two good pitchers, at least an ace and maybe a solid number two. That's what I kind of see with the Reds. And plus the Reds' bats, listen, Joey Votto is still Joey Votto. Yeah, I do can hit. And, I, and, you know, one of the things, being a Cubs fan, seeing Joey Votto, it's like that man's swing is pure. His, I think they have enough talent there. But going to the AL, I, I think the Yankees are going to win the division. But I always say, watch out for the Rays, and I'll get into why in a few minutes. You know, the West, begrudgingly, I'll go with the A's, but don't sleep on the A's. Do not sleep on the Oakland A's. Do not sleep, and I'll explain to you once again why you're going to sleep on the A's. And as far as the Central goes, Chris, I kind of feel the same way. It's a toss-up between the Twins and the Indians. I mean, you really can't, but I lean toward the Twins because I feel they have just enough offensive power, more you know, more power than the, than the Indians do. The Indians have better pitching, but as we know, baseball is about the hitting. So yeah, I kind of lean towards the more points on the board. Correct. It's kind of like the Golden State Warriors concept where defense doesn't really matter as long as you can outscore them. It's the old running gun. As long as Steph Curry's on the court and within fifty feet of the of the hoop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You 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 don't really you, you don't really care about you know shot dynamic. You don't really care about shot selection. You know. So and then, you know your wild card. I like your wild card. I like the Nats to be a wild card, but. I want to go into, I think, six teams that I think could win it all. And honorable mention to the Braves and the Reds and even the White Sox. And, you know, it's hard for me as a Cubs fan to say that. But, Chris, you know, listen, Tim Anderson, that guy is a stud. That guy's a stud for the Sox. Once again, going back to pitching, you know, Lucas Giolito and you got Dallas Keuchel. So I, the White Sox aren't that bad either. But. These are the six teams, and I have one dark horse team. You know, once again, you know, once again, I think it's a Yankees, Dodgers. I think those are the two front runners. Because last season, you know, if you look back, you know, MLB.com, you know, their bullpen, they say the Yankees have the best bullpen in baseball. I'm not going to dispute that. I know you're not going to dispute that. Because you, you've heard me talk about how I love Aroldis Chapman. How do I know that? Because he gave us a World Series. So I'm not going to, he gave me this Cubs fan. Those two innings he pitched in the World's Game 7 at World Series against the Indians, yeah, mwah, mwah. that's all I can say. Because usually, you know, Chapman's a one-inning guy, but he gave us two good innings. Two good innings. So, and I think with the Dodgers, the bullpen may be a problem because Kenley Jantz is not as consistent. I'm not knocking. Listen, they have the best lineup in baseball. But I think the Yankees have more balance. And I think, Chris, you hear, you know, balance. People say, well, balance is important. It's always important. But in baseball, it's equally important because you have to have some remnants of an offense and defense. Like, you just can't. Like, you know, like I said about the Twins earlier. Like, the Twins, offense is great, Chris. They're pitching. Nobody can name a starter outside of Minneapolis. Nobody. Like, oh, I, I, I asked. So and I'm like, you can't name a starter. So I'm like, it's like, oh, well, that's not good. So, so I think that's the kind of problem with the Dodgers, the bullpen wise. But going back to some other teams, I, I I'll go back to the A's, Chris. I really like the A's, simply because you know, listen, that Matt Chapman at third base, stud. I think Marcus Simeon, stud, and they got great young pitching. And I think to have great young pitching, it's a 60-game season. I don't think pitching is important, 
But Chris, if you have one or two good pitching pitchers, you know, top of your rotation, you should be fine. Like to me, if you do the five ro- five man rotation, Chris, you're averaging about twelve. You'll stars. survive. You'll, you'll survive because you're only going to be pitching twelve games, you know, at the minimum. So if you can have one or two, like if it's one sixty two, I'd say you need to have you know at least three to four good ones. But one to two because of the shortness of the season, I think the A's could kind of pull that off. And I'll go back to the Rays. I love about the Rays is that when you have guys like Charlie Morton out there, I think Charlie Morton used to play, you know, for Houston. Like he was kind of the forgotten guy at Houston because they had some guys named, you know, Cole and Verland. So he kind of got forgotten when he was there. I think he was there with Zach Grinke was there. So Charlie Morton was like the fourth guy. He was the fourth guy in Houston at the time. All of a sudden, Chris, he goes to Tampa. He's the ace. It's kind of like the Ryan Tannehill effect where, you know, you forget how good Ryan Tannehill is, but you look at the environment he was at. Yep. So, so you really couldn't thrive. So when he goes somewhere else, oh, my God, he was great. He was never terrible. Like, he was never terrible. We're like, oh, Charlie Moore was terrible. No, he wasn't terrible. And you throw in the fact that they got, like, Kevin Kiermeyer, They got Austin Meadows. I think the Yankees should be very, very – the Rays have always been, like, a very, very, like, chippy team. They've been very chippy. They're, they kind of gnaw at you like, ah, man, they're always scrappy. They're always – that's how I look at the Rays. Like, on a, on certain days, they can beat – they've beaten the Yankees. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I it's, think the, the biggest problem with the Rays is the fact that they play in the AL East. The AL East has the largest TV market, I think, tenfold for any other baseball market in the country. Yeah. They have two teams that have that are top ten, uh, you know, uh, budget teams for as far as uh, you know, as far as their annual budget for payroll and things like that between the Yankees and the Sox. But that doesn't can discon like you know it, it doesn't push them out any more or any less because like you said they they make do with what they had you know. Um, uh, what was the skipper's name down there? He was he was on the Cubs for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, Joe Madden. Joe Madden, yeah. You know, he he did a hell of a job pointing that program there. Uh, you know, in the right direction. You know, him, Evan Longoria. You know, they 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 definitely put Tampa on the map and and contended them with the Boston and with the New York. You know, you got your other two teams, uh, you know, the Blue Jays and the Orioles. Um, you know, the only good, the only thing I like the Orioles is that I'm closer to Baltimore than I am the Bronx. And I can go sit almost front row in Camden Yards for like a hundred bucks. <laughs> you know, I can, I can hop the train from, uh, from Newark down to Camden Yards. I think it's like a, like a, $35 train ride each way. So I, I don't even have to drive and worry about parking or anything like that. I can get a good seat, hop the train and come back and go home and live my life happily ever after a hundred dollars at Yankee stadium. Dude, dude, you're, you're up in the stratosphere, you know? So yeah. Baltimore, I do appreciate you for your discounted ticket pricing. <laughs> well, you know, everyone serves their own purpose. <laughs> So listen, if you if you you know if we work, we should work for Baltimore PR because that's a great. I think we just you did a very good PR thing. Okay, like, hey, is the team great? Okay, no, but thirty five bucks. Like, I mean, but and there's snack train ride, and you can get in and go see a good team. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, hey, it hurt the Yankees were there. So, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> it fills the stadium up. Oh, yeah. You know, I think I think even some of the cardboard may walk out. But anyway, if that's possible. <laughs> ah, boy. I'm not welcoming. What, I've ripped on Baltimore, Cleveland, and Jesus. Yeah, we're, yeah, <sighs> we're, we're rough this episode. Man. Well, you know what? Cleveland is the Browns. Like, look, that's I'm not going to. Because, listen, they have my last name. If you're going to be great. We're using my last name. Just figure it out. That's all I'm saying. My family has stake in that. But the point is, but going as I digress, you make a very good point about the Rays in the market. They, if they've been able to maximize them. The Marlins were that way. I think the, when they were the Florida Marlins, they were able to maximize the value and kind of over overdo it. I think they, they kind of over they overplayed themselves in a good way. And I think we have the right manager of the right system. It works. Like you know, to me, Chris, I look at like the San Antonio Spurs as one of those teams where Chris, they're not in the best market in the world, but Greg Popovich has that team winning. They win 50 games a season. I think they're in a stretch where they won 50 games, Chris, for 20 straight seasons. Not a lot of teams can say they've done that. I mean, you can't when you're that good in that market. Like you're expected to be good in New York and L.A., Chicago. But not in San Antonio. Like, you're not expected to be great. They have five ch- So, I think that's where the Rays are. The Rays, no one expected the Rays to be that good, but I think they are. I think it's really on that pitching. And I go back to the Twins. Like, Chris, if they can figure out how to pitch, I think they'll be fine. And I'm going to give you a team, and this may blow some people's socks off. The San Diego Padres is so, the team to think about. And, and oh, I hear silence on the end, so I think he's shocked. So you got my attention. So here's the thing about the San Diego Padres. Like, you know, their best 60 game stretch, you know, last year was, you know, 31 and 29. I'm going to put this in perspective, Chris. Like, I'll give you, you're the Yankees fan here. What do you think the best 60 game stretch was for the Yankees last season? I mean, without, I mean, literally just throwing a dart at the board, I would say, I don't know, like, like 45 and 15? 42 and 18. Damn. They were 42 and 18 this. was their best. <laughs> yeah, you're good. Listen, listen. You know, if listen, if we're in like one of those games, like the knife game throwing at the dart, I trust you. I trust you. My man. You trust that man with those knives? Absolutely. My man. You stay away from the stay away from the package. I don't mean the I don't mean the one from FedEx either. But the point is, you know. <laughs> But <laughs> from the Dodgers, you know, the, the, it was 43 and 17. You know, for the A's, 41 and 19. The Rays, 40 and 20. The Twins, 41 and 19. But the Padres were two games above 500 through 60 games. The reason why I like them, Chris, because like I said earlier, it's a sprint, not a marathon. I think we overlook San Diego. Like the only thing San Diego is known for, they have, they have the naval base up there. And Ron Burgundy. Other than that, you don't really know. Stay classy, San Diego. And go fuck yourself. Stay, yeah. And listen, I wouldn't have fired him. I wouldn't have fired him for that. That's that's an unclassy move by that station. Unclassy. I stand by it. Every time I watch that movie, I go, why did they fire him? Why did they, he got his he got his bearings back, but still, because he's he's Ron Burgundy. But the point is, is that. <laughs> but I like San Diego because you know Fernando Tatis Jr. Is out there, and I think they have good young pitching out there. And I think Chris, they have to me, they have probably the behind the Yankees, the best bullpen in baseball, and nobody talks about it. 
Because I, I, I will agree with that. They they definitely go unspoken about. I think the no one talks about the pitching like because all oh, the hitting is terrible. They've been terrible. I'm not gonna lie, Chris. That we, we we know they've been terrible. But I think pitching wise, I think if you know, listen, you can figure out you can get hot quick with the bat quicker than your arm. So you know, I think they can figure it out with the bat. I think you know because if you look at the division they're in. Nobody's expecting them to win anyway. Because listen, you got a team in LA who's there. Chris, no one's expecting you to win. So it's so it's kind of like listen. We know we're going to you know get blown by the Dodgers. You know we're going to lose by twenty games in the division. But but I think that there's potential in a sixty game. I say the same things about the Braves and the White Sox. There are, even the Blue Jays. Like you know they added Ryu from the Dodgers and they got that kid Vlad Guerrero Jr. Chris. All I got to say, YouTube that man. That man hits like he hits better than his dad. I'm telling you, he he swings like his dad. But Chris, that ball goes further because his dad will be his dad reminds his dad's a golfer at the plate. This dude would hit at something below his ankles and somehow yes. ends up ends up 375 over in left center. And like yeah. I couldn't I couldn't tell you to this day wherever he went wherever he went in his career, like his he plays like his dad. I'm gonna you know that's my advertisement for Vlad Guerrero Jr. But so there's a lot of scrappy teams, but at the end of the day, I think the World Series. I I will take the Yankees over the Dodgers in six, because at the end of the day, Chris, you know, listen, when you have the best bullpen in baseball and you have a top five offense, you're you're pretty balanced. And Absolutely. in a sixty game stretch, in a sixty game stretch, where and I think it's important, and this is contingent on. Listen, if Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, Gliber Torres, like, it's very, very hard to find a flaw in that lineup. Even Luke Voigt at first base is not that bad. He's a stud. You know, and, and that's the thing that we got to to really not to, to sidebar you. The Yankees won over 100 games last season with AAA players. Correct, yeah. Not with Giancarlo Stanton, not with Aaron Judge, not with Glaber Torres, uh, scrubs. Like, AAA, I'm not professional scrubs. Um, and they still won 100-plus games. And so it's like you said, if they could do that with their backup roster, what's possible, again, on a 60-game sprint, where where you know they know that they've got to make the most of every at, at bat, I think you might see a little bit more aggressiveness from some of these big hitters. And if they can just stay healthy through the sixty games and going into the playoffs, um, good luck to the teams they play. Yeah, and I, I think you're right because you know as an MVP, I think Aaron Judge is the MVP candidate because it's just something about the way Aaron Judge. And this is one of the things I say. You can't teach. There's certain things, Chris. You can, you can and can't teach in sports. You can't teach speed. You can't teach size, and you can't teach athleticism. Either you have those things, Chris, or you don't. You can teach a guy how to run routes or how to hit the ball or what. You can teach him fundamentals. But with Aaron Judge, Chris, you can't teach how his size. You can't teach. You can't. And then, and then I, I also throw this on on there. It's it's to the point, Chris, where you're like, 
when you look at Aaron Judge, and listen, did you guys Giancarlo? A, if you get a healthy, this is important, a healthy Giancarlo standing? Dangerous. Chris, it, dangerous. Dangerous. Like, it, in a 60-game stretch, like the Yankees didn't get 300 home runs last year. Chris, you break, they could hit 260 games. And I, and I don't, to me, I don't think that's a stretch because, Chris, I, I tell people this. If you find a hole, if you had to find a hole for the Yankees, it would maybe be starting pitching. But when you have Garrett, listen, for the record, it's only 60 games. So if you get a great outing from Garrett Cole, you know, they got the young guys like Jordan Montgomery. You got to, I, Chris, you don't need aces. And I think Aaron Boone has done a very good job with that bullpen. Like, I think we had Adam Otavo. Like, Chris, they have a very, very good bullpen. Aaron Boone, this is what I say, is just something about former players, especially infielders, who make very good managers. I'm like, well, how, how do I know this theory? Joe Torre was a catcher. And I, I think we all know how that goes. It just seems that something infielders understand. I'm not saying outfielders are terrible. Man, don't 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 at me at anything. <laughs> but it's just don't at me at anything. Like Aaron Boone, he knows baseball. His his brother, his dad, they played in this game. His dad man was a manager in this game. Aaron Boone just is one of those guys, Chris. Where I just look at like, I think he he understands. He he reminds me a lot of Steve Kerr to a certain degree. Where, like, people say, oh, he inherited this great roster. They should be great. But what if I told you, like, the ESPN 30 for 30, what if I told you he won 100 games with dudes that who are probably working in a meatpacking factory today? They yeah. were on the run. Like, like, I'm like, he won 100. You're not you're not tested as a great man when things are going great. You're tested how great when things are going south. Yeah. And Aaron Boone. When this team was going south, was able to get them a hundred wins. Chris, I'm not gonna lie. I thought I gave the Yankees 90 wins tops. When I saw a hundred, I'm like, Aaron Boone's a manager, and, and people understand manager may be a lost art for some, but Aaron Boone knows the game like the back of his hand. He uh, he understood matriculating the roster. He understood that hey, he had to lean a little bit more on the pitching. People tend to forget he had to lean a little bit more on the pitching. That's why the bullpen is so great. And then a 60-game stretch, Chris, where you may not have – you're not burning arms. You don't have to – you can burn arms when you want. It's only 60 games. So you can – like a Chapman. Chapman, you can pitch him on a day, and then you can give him two days. Like you don't have to like think about 162 games. To, to teams like the Yankees, it's advantageous because, Chris, they're healthy. I think this break got them to be healthy, and I think Aaron Boone knows – if I can just get these dudes to just be healthy, I know what they can do. Yankee Nation knows what they can do. Major League Baseball knows what they can do, and why not? Because the problem I have with the Dodgers is just the pitching. I think after, you know, beyond, like, I like Kershaw, Walker Bueller, those guys are great. But, Chris, when you hand the ball off to, like, a pitcher starting pitcher, maybe six innings is good. Six to seven innings. But, Chris, the back half of the game is important. Like, can you trust the Dodgers bullpen with a with a one-run lead in the eighth? Forget the ninth, Chris, the eighth. I'll, I can trust that Yankee bullpen. Absolutely. Because I know who's going to be there in the ninth. 
So the setup man and the if you have those, Chris, the Yankees, I'm like, listen, I don't care if it's a Tavo the setup man and Chapman's the closer. Listen, I think it works. And before we move on to 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 to, to college football, you know, I I think this season I think we have a great opportunity, Chris, to have a 400 hitter. Simply because I think that since because a lot of dudes like Chipper, a lot of these dudes, Chris, they've hit 400 through like 40 games. Absolutely. But like, but like now it's 60 games, Chris. I don't think it's as bad. So I think the potential is there. And a couple of dudes that got us rattle them off real quick. I like DJ LeMahieu to be that guy because look, he hit 327 last season. You know, second in the AL. But Chris, what I like, he, look at that lineup, Chris. Who would you like, Chris? Who would you rather pitch to? LeMahieu. Stanton, Judge. Who do you who would you rather pitch to? If I was on the mound, I would rather go after Stanton. Lemayhu hits for contact. I mean, the Correct. dude's got power. He can put a ball into orbit, but he's also tactically hitting. He'll hit the bloopers over shortstop's head. Or he'll pull a ball in an opposite direction along a baseline to, dri- to drive in a couple ribbies. Judge, True. I think. And, and, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I uh, I think Judge is learning that compared to Stanton. I feel like Stanton sometimes he's in Barry Bonds mode. It's neither he's putting the ball up with Elon Musk and SpaceX up in up in outer space, or he's striking yeah. it. So I mean, if I was on the mound, I would I would want to to line up against Stanton. Um, definitely not Judge because I would be afraid of him hitting me with a ball and me just crumpling in the dust. Well, I I would disappear like Obi Wan Kenobi in Episode Four of Star Wars. Um, <laughs> and then Lemayu, well, he would probably I mean any of them would embarrass me, but I definitely think that for for contact, he's a significantly better hitter. Yeah, and 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 I, the reason why I say Le, I I would rather not, I would rather pitch to LeMayhew is the scenario. Like, if there's runners on base and you know that Stanton or judges on deck, you would try to get LeMayhew out. So LeMayhew's going to get fastballs. He's, he's not going to get none of that change. He's not going to get any off-speed stuff. So I think LeMayhew, given, like I say, he hit 327 last year. And I think if the lineup goes the way I think it's going to go, LeMayhew's going to have a lot of shots to get a lot of hits to get on base. And another candidate I have is Christian Yelich out there in Milwaukee. And because here's the thing. He hit 347 versus the fastball and 380 against off speed. And I'm like, Jesus. And I'm like, and this is the one step that I found to be interesting. He was he was 313 X, you know, batting average. And that essentially means like the expected batting average. And it's based on the quality of the contact. That was 313. So he's hitting 300, even if you're expecting him to do it, or he's already doing it at above. So I like Milwaukee. The only thing with Yelich is that the lineup, he's probably the best hitter they got in the lineup. So he may not see the best stuff in the world. You know, for the Dodgers, you know, Bellinger, self, you know, self-explanatory. Mike Trout, self-explanatory. But I'll give you another name, Chris, that I think is interesting. Howie Kendrick for the Nationals. And Okay. Because remember that, remember that expected batting average stat last season. It was 336 for Howie Kendrick, 
That was the highest among those who had 250 or more plate appearances. Howie Kendrick is a scrappy dude. He hits for contact. I, I think where you put him in that lineup, I think Kendrick just finds a way to get on base. He gets those hits because his speed helps him. So I think those are the guys who I think have the better has the better shot of of getting 400. But once again, I expect I expect the Yankees and the Dodgers to be there. Expect them, but like I said, don't sleep. Don't sleep on the A's. Don't sleep on the Reds. Or the Braves. You know, or the Braves or the Reds. There are a lot of teams that don't sleep on. I tell you, I tell you, you can go to sleep on the Orioles. Just go to sleep. Just <laughs> drink, drink your glass of drink your glass of milk or water. You know, put on some some Kenny G and go to bed. And he's going so <laughs> just go to bed on that. But but speaking of the good bit before we tuck in the episode, I want to talk about college football. You know, I think there'll be a season, but I like to talk, you know, the preseason picks came out. You know, a lot of well, everybody had their own preseason picks. So I initially we talked about this in the meeting. But doing the top ten. But Chris, we don't want to bore the people because we can talk about like baseball. Like we talk about baseball, Chris, for over forty five minutes. Like <laughs> and it's like because that's how much we love baseball. And and I said with college football, I'm like, let's let's say we do it and, and we'll post. I think we agreed we'll post our t- our top ten. We'll post our top list. You know, our more of the teams that we picked on on Facebook and social media, and we'll let you, the public, decide whose list is better. You know, is it you know the guy who won the regular season or the guy who won the fantasy? I'm I'm not trying to say I'm not trying to sway the American people. Or those around the world to say, I'm just saying, I you know, I won the real thing. He won the fantasy thing. That that's all yes, I said. He's got the notoriety though. Y- y- yeah, and you're true. The- parts. And on yeah. top of that, I had twelve other, eleven other uh, uh, personalities to contend with to to climb my way to the top and hoist my trophy up high. Uh, is he is he going for the Rudy or the Rocky story? I don't know which. <laughs> Adrian is like. <laughs> It's like Rocky couldn't see at the end of that movie. I'm just saying. He was, listen, for the record, a lot of blind shots. That's all I'm saying. But, listen, I'm no boxing, you know, you know, I'm not a pugilist. So, but something to think about. But also something to think about, and I'll let you kick off, Chris. Who are your top five or ten college football teams going into the season? All right. So, going into the season here. So, I've read a few different ones, and I – I got a lot of disbelief and a lot of hatred that I see in these in these polls. And then I ask myself, where, where like how do they come up with these? And I see all of these stats and they all have something in common. The teams that have big contracts with Nike that have fancy uniforms somehow always slither in. They don't do anything in their in their in their division. They barely win their division against scrub teams. Now I'm picking on the Pac-12 right now, in case you didn't notice. Uh-huh. I said fancy uniforms and scrub teams, so we, we all know I'm talking about Oregon. You have teams like Oregon that somehow get shoved so high up that don't do anything all season, play a team of talent, and then lose. You have certain teams that play in specific divisions who play arguably one of the weakest schedules in, in, in college football, play a good team, 
and lose, or they play teams like Baylor and lose. I think, or not Baylor, uh, Purdue. I think you already know who I'm aiming at on that one. Somehow they're always snuck in there at the the one or two spot. Um, I, I can go on and on, but so counting from five down, here's here's why I got, and kind of why. So number five, I have uh, the Gators. Now, of course, people are going to be like, oh, it's just because you're a Gators fan and it's biased. All right, well, let's look at the facts. The facts that we played an incredibly hard schedule last year with a backup quarterback who literally got thrown in and we did okay speaks volumes, absolute volumes. Now he actually has time to prepare and to learn his receivers and all those other cool things that quarterbacks do that are good head-up quarterbacks. Again, Felipe Franks, physically – a, a, a more dominant physical specimen than Kyle Trask. I think we can agree on that. Kyle Trask is a rocket scientist compared to Felipe Franks. So, between returning players, uh, recruitment commitments as of right now, of course, I know things change, their schedule and the way that the stars and the moons are starting to align themselves again, it's that cosmic deity from ancient aliens that's speaking to me right now. Uh, (laughs) I'm putting them at number five. I would put them higher, but there's still two other teams in the sec. They got to make it through the next one at the number four spot is who I'm going to cover. And that would be the university of Alabama. Uh, Nick Satan does not accept loss at all. Uh, Or, well, I, I don't know if he like, has these kids' parents, like, held hostage. He has, like, a giant basement where he just, like, takes all of these kids' parents and, like, ties them up down there and just, like, hey, if you don't win me a championship, I'll just start slicing and dicing. Again, it's not confirmed, so we don't know these things. I'm just just thinking out loud here, boys and girls. Something there, There's something that keeps it going there because it's not a shimmering personality, let's face it. <laughs> um, I got LSU, or excuse me, I got, I got Bama at the number four spot right now. Um... The SEC West, well, number one, the SEC in general, again, hardest hardest division to play in. Um, we have uh, just absolute raw talent there. They've got a, a, a decently set schedule where I think they can push themselves into a position where uh, things can happen. And then we'll discuss that as we go along into my list. At the number three spot, I've got the unfortunate pleasure of Ohio State. Mm-hmm. I would rank... Florida higher than Ohio State, but I think Florida will have a loss going into the the part of the playoffs compared to where Ohio State won't because they play scrubs and community colleges all season. Um, Here here it comes, folks. And and it's the truth. Numbers don't lie. When you play teams with losing records all season and you blow them out 70-0, to and then you play a good team and you get blown out, I'm just, I, Your Honor, I rest my case. It's like in in a uh, wasn't a few good men. What was the lawyer movie with Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson? Uh, yeah, a few good men. A few was it a few? few no, a few good men was uh, wasn't that with Mel Gibson? That was uh, Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson had Demi Moore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That do you remember the name of the damn movie? It was yeah. It was a few. Yeah, it was a few. It was a yeah. There was a, a military court. Yeah, that was a few good men. A few okay maybe all right it was a few good men all right sorry I I doubted you I apologize um it, it's like when I say these things 
I, I feel like I'm Jack Nicholson on the stand. I'm just like, you can't, you can't handle the truth. And that's what it is with Ohio State is they can't handle the truth. They're not a good team. They're an average program with an easy schedule. But they've got good TV time and a bunch of ridiculously annoying bandwagon fans that will just they're, – they're like pigeons shitting all over the sidewalk. We, we get it. We know you're there. You shit all over the place. Thank you. So enough of them. Um, in the number two spot, I got Clemson. Uh, Clemson, I, I think they showed last year that they can be down, but they're definitely not out. Um, they've got a lot of potential, and again – they also kind of have that cakewalk schedule. Uh, let's face it, the ACC right now is in shambles at absolute best. Um, you know, the the way that Slick Willie, our, our undercover agent uh, in, in Tallahassee, demolished Florida State for us, he, he kind of simmered down the entire ACC there in the, in the talent going across the board. But don't sleep on them nonetheless because they can still perform. They, they exercise that right against Ohio State. Uh, and then at the number one spot, I'm a very firm believer in the words of the great professional wrestler. In order to be the man, you got to beat the man. I keep LSU ranked at number one until they lose. And here's why. If you if you lose, or excuse me, if you win a national title and you go into the next season, technically you're, you're, you're still the national champion. You know, until you lose... You're still a champ. It's it, it's like uh, any UFC fighter, you know. When Conor McGregor won his belt, just because another fighter might have won a, a another fight in a in a better manner doesn't necessarily take the belt away from McGregor. Until McGregor loses, he's still the damn champion. And that's how I, I that's how I really view these these polls is that they always screw somehow. Like I, I it was a couple years ago, like Alabama won a national championship by like leaps and bounds. And they knock him down to, like, number four and put Ohio State as number one when Ohio State wasn't even relevant. And then, uh, you know, they, they come across and just, again, trample through and did what Alabama does. And I think they ended up winning, like, a, a, a back-to-back national uh, uh, national title or something along the lines of that. But still, it's nonetheless, I just want to see just a little bit of, of fluidity with it. So I keep, I'm keeping LSU at number one, however – like I'll circle back when I talk about Florida and Alabama. LSU definitely doesn't have the crew that they had winning that national title, um, you know, last season. I think they're going to lose, which will bump them down, which can either put Bama in a position or Florida in a position. Um, they play both teams, you know, in a decent part of their schedule. Again, I don't have the notes in front of me because um, I'm just now thinking about this. Florida plays them, I think, fairly early in their schedule. If Florida beats them, that catapults them way up, way up. I know it won't because Kirk Herbstreit will be like, well, you know, Ohio State played Baylor or uh, or Purdue, and, well, they played um, Akron Community College, and they blew them out like 250-0, to zero, and that was a tough and decisive victory. But, you know, again, we won't go there. I'm not, Now I'm just, I'm just shit-talking at this point. But those are my top five. Uh, but, again, that LSU, Florida, Bama – trifecta issue whoever loses first will, will topple and whoever wins and can keep winning we will see in the playoffs but circling back number five florida four bama three osu two clemson three louisiana yeah that's a very interesting because I, I think i i 
I know your philosophy about to be the man to beat the man. You got you got the Ric Flair mentality, which is good. Woo! That was sponsored by. Uh, it, we'll, we'll insert sponsor it later, but the but I you know I, I don't disagree. My my number five is the Florida Gators. I think Chris, this to me boiled down to between two other teams, either Georgia or Penn State, because if 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 it's going to be conference only, and that's important, because what went into my list was looking at their potential schedule, because if we're talking, if it's going to be conference only. I slightly trust Florida over Georgia because Georgia, you know, new quarterback, I think, to me, people say, oh, he's the best quarterback. I'm like, stop it. I'm not going to get into that. The things you see on Twitter, that's all I'm going to say. I got to stay off of it, but it's I'm not going to get into that either. Because here's the thing with Florida. Listen, they, they have LSU at home, and I think that helps them. I think they play LSU in Georgia. Like, Chris, I think Florida has the most to gain out of my top five. Florida could easily be a top three to two team by the end of the year. Because if we're going by conference, and as you know, whether it's the BCS or whether it's the college football playoff, they lean SEC, not because of some bias, but we have payola or there's a bag of money with a dollar sign on it, and Snidely Whiplash is handing it off. No. It's because strength of schedule within our conference is the toughest in college football. Like even like the scrub teams like Vanderbilt, their Vanderbilt's not terrible. Vanderbilt, give them a game or two, they can pull out a game or two against a big opponent. Like even Arkansas, as bad as Arkansas is, it's just that we're very top heavy. Florida, Georgia, and there's a couple of t- other teams I'm going to mention later. But there's five to maybe six good teams in the SEC. So I gave the edge for that reason. And also, Chris, Kyle Trask, I think development of the quarterback. I think, Chris, I think you know how much I love quarterbacks. I think you know that. I don't, I don't have to tell you that. Uh-huh. I love I love the quarterback position. To me, it's like a nice medium rare steak with a baked potato. With chai. To me, that to me, I love talking about quarterbacks. The way Dan Mullen took Kyle Trask. And basically, he didn't look. He didn't look. He didn't look like a backup. He didn't. And I think, in, you know, when Felipe Franks on four, he got hurt. He's at Arkansas, so I'm not gonna say having his career. But the point is, is that he made Kyle Trask look like a very good quarterback. And Kyle Trask has the talent to be a very good quarterback. Dan Mullen's the quarterback whisperer because this is the same dude. Listen, people keep saying, "Oh, why?" You know, Dak Prescott. Listen, Dan Mullen almost got a job in the NFL how good he was with Dak Prescott. People tend to forget that. Dan Mullen is probably one of the best top three offensive minds in college football. I And I don't feel like I'd get much backlash for that. If that makes, I don't think I'll get much backlash. Dan Mullen understands offense. He understands Florida. He understands the program. And look, he, they still have, listen, Chris, they average 31 points a game in the conference. If we go to conference play, Chris, that benefits a team like Florida. And plus, Chris, yeah, listen, even though we lost a lot of great defense, we lost C.J. Henderson, there's no Grenard. But, Chris, they got the Georgia transfer in, Britton, uh, Britton Cox, a good pass rusher, Chris. I, that defense still may be probably a top two defense in, in the SEC. Oh, absolutely. And then on top of that, you know, when Henderson was injured for a little bit and Grenard was injured for a little bit and Zuniga was injured for a little bit, 
we had players come off the bench and and right. filled those shoes in very key games, mind you, where they they held their own. Um, you know, so that that you know, people tend to forget those uh, you know those minor details. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's talent on offense. I just really like the development of Kyle Trask. I don't think could people say like you said they'll go with the bias aspect, Chris, but numbers don't lie. Listen, Cleveland Cleveland Browns fans will lie and say they're going to the Super Bowl, but we don't lie. We don't lie. Numbers so, talk. And under yeah. under Joe under Joe Burrow, Kyle Trask was like the number two quarterback in the SEC. Granted, he, Joe Burrow was putting Madden esque numbers up. <laughs> I mean, there's no no denying that whatsoever. But uh, outside of that, Kyle Trask was, and, and he started what it was a third game of the season, so he was already two and a half games behind everybody else for as far as numbers wise, and still made it out as a solid number two. I'll I'll shit. I'd I'd put money on that. Yeah, and and I think Chris, I think people get lost because I think. When we t- when we talk about Florida, people are like, oh, I mean, listen, the defense is always going to be great. The Dan Mullen will have this offense going. Like I say, he's a top three offensive mind in college football. This man almost, if people understand when the coaching mill is going around, like he was considered a head coaching candidate because of, look at the job he did at Mississippi State. Go look at the history of Mississippi State before Dan Mullen got there, and look at it. After he left. And, you know, that's a hashtag case closed situation. But I digress. Number four, I have Ohio State, Chris's favorite team in the country. And listen, Chris, listen, you'll have a seat in the best restaurant. I'll, I'll call. Uh, I'll get Eddie George on the phone. <laughs> but the, so Eddie George and uh, let's see. Chris Carter went there. It's not a bad school. It's just, you know, I, a Buckeye is a tree. You know, I'm going to get into that either. That, that's for our anthology series on Nat Geo. But but the point is is that when I look about Ohio State, is listen, Justin Fields is still there. To me, Chris, the only question is the defense. Remember that, Chris, they lost Chase Young and two good corners and Damian Arnett and Jeff Okuda. And you just can't replace those just by picking out of a tree. I think that's the question mark I have for Ohio State. And there's talent to replenish there. But given, like I say, the way Ohio State has been, they're, to me, they're kind of like what a top program should be. You're able to fill in that talent day one. You have experience on that roster. So, like, even with the running game, you know, they got the transfer of Trey Sermon, who came from Oklahoma. He's going to probably be the starter with J.K. Dobbins going to the NFL. So, I think, but given it's the Big Ten, I do think they're the best team in the Big Ten, but not by, like, the widest of margin, if that makes any sense. It's not like the widest of margin. I just think that it goes back to your philosophy, Chris. In order to be the man, to beat the man, I think if someone has to knock Ohio State off of that perch, and then we can have that conversation. I could not agree more. And so I think, like I said, the gap is very small. Penn State almost made it in the top five. Cause I, I, but when I do my thing, I get, I'll go on Penn State. Number three, Chris, and I don't know what Oklahoma, because only. Oh. Because you know who benefits from a conference only? If if the route goes to conference only, Chris, it, who's the second best team in the Big Ten in the Big Twelve, Chris? Maybe Baylor. Maybe. Maybe. You see how you said the word maybe after that? Texas. Maybe. 
it's not even cl- to me. Oklahoma, all five starters come back. They got this quarter five star quarterback Spencer Rattler, and they got you know listen and Kennedy Kennedy Brooks is back at running back. And I just go, Chris, like, listen, how good of a job is Lincoln Riley doing in Oklahoma? Listen, Bob Stoops left, and it, it doesn't feel like it with Lincoln Riley. It really doesn't. So I like Oklahoma because, listen, they gave up 5.3 yards on defense per play. And remember how I used to rip Oklahoma's defense? Yeah. I ripped the Big 12 defense. But the defense got better. And I think – the way think about your Oklahoma, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. <coughs> oh, excuse me, America. Bless you. Sneezing. Thank you. I get so excited about Oklahoma. My apologies. It's a quarterback factory there in Oklahoma. So I like I like Oklahoma there at number three. Number two, Alabama. But Alabama. They're going to go back to defense. No Tua. I think they're going to go back to the way Nick said. They're going to run the ball. they got a stable of good running backs. Najee Harris, Trey Sanders, Brian Robinson Jr. They're going to go back to the basics. And like you say, Nick Saban just is the best recruiter in football. If if Nick's, if if I say Dan Mullen's a top three offensive mind, Chris, I think you can agree that Nick Sam's probably the best defensive mind in college football. Oh, he really is. I mean, he 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 is like General MacArthur on the battlefield. He just the the decisive decision making that he puts in pre, during, and post it, is just it's it's scary. It, it's scary good, and I think Chris. What makes it scarier to me, Chris, is, is that when you look at Nick Saban and you look at the talent, we always look and say, man, how they, where's the talent? And they show up. He, he, he takes talent, Chris, and makes them NFL talent. And that everybody can sit there and say, listen, when people go to colleges, and I just go on this little rant real quick, this is why I say it's the problem when I did – I did an article about tiers of college football. This is the problem with the Pac-12. Pac-12 gives you the only position they're really good at giving you is quarterbacks. Like, you know, I'm not going to say, oh, what about Tui Polamalu? No, we're talking about the last three to five years. We're talking what program in the Pac-12 is going to give you buckets of talent. Like Alabama could be the Pac-12. In terms of you take the number of players drafted in the first round from the Pac-12 as a whole may not match up to what you got at Alabama over the Factual. last three years. Factual. And I think that's what makes it scarier, Chris, that these dudes look like they can play on Sunday every play. Yep. And it's like – and it like, like go back and like Jerry – that's why I was high on Jerry Judy. Like, you remember, I was super high on – I'm like, that dude? And what made Nick Saban a great coach, Chris? He changed his philosophy. He said, listen, you know what? This Tua kid, let him go. Let him do his thing, and I do my thing. Because, Chris, he under, that's what good coaches do. Good coaches are able to take a step back and understand that maybe your way of coaching works, but the way to, to win football games may not be it this year. 
And I think that's the Waterloo for a lot of coaches because they're so stuck in their ways. A good general will be like, listen, I may not have a lot of great troops in this department, Chris, but boy, can they do that better. Like, if they're great in the trenches, Chris, guess what those troops are going to be? Like, even though your strategy, if your strategy is on the ground, like, oh, we got to put them in the trenches, you do to win because you look at your personnel. And Nick Saban's defense, they don't suffer because they didn't suffer last year because of that Atua. That's the thing, Chris. I think people tend to forget. I think that Nick Saban was able to compromise and understand how talented Tua was. He took a step back and allowed Tua to be the talent that Tua is. And his defense was still great. Nick Saban will he'll yell at you and they're up by 30. This guy wants, like you say, he's a he is like a MacArthur, he's like a general Patton. This guy is a win-at-all-costs dude. And when, you know, when MacArthur said the Philippines, you know, I shall return, that's what he said when he said the college football playoff. When they missed it, guess what he said? I shall return. I think they're going to return. Because, look, even though who's the quarterback for Alabama? Mac Jones? Yeah, it doesn't it, – Chris, outside of Tua, could you name a, a starting quarterback under Nick Saban at Alabama? Outside of Tua. Uh, uh, A.J. McCarron? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, because I remember because of his wife. Not to say he's not a terrible quarterback, his wife, he did good there too. So he was a winner on and off the field, but I'll get letters for that too. But yeah, honestly, that's the only one I can remember right out of the gate. It's like if if you think about it, the system like even had Jalen Hurts for a little bit. Like Jalen Hurts, like Jalen Hurts went to another program, and they still won a national championship. That's how good Nick Saban's system always works. And to me, number one is Clemson. And to me, Chris, this was easy. Because, listen, if it's just the ACC-only schedule, Chris, I mean, uh, Chris, you you know, how can I describe it? Oh, no, I don't think you played basketball. I think, what was that, Stone? And Derek, Derek, our buddy Derek remembers. And I was like the I was like six foot then, and, and Chris, it just didn't feel fair sometimes to play against Derek. Derek's a very good friend. If he's listening, Derek, you're a very good friend. Some might say you're a friend of the show, but then I have to give you a, a parking pass, and I just don't see that happening. But the point is, is that that's a lot of paperwork. But the point is, is that it just felt unfair. And sometimes you may have a tendency to play down, but out Clemson is like that kid, Chris. And they're listen, if you're a train, if you're on those tracks, Chris, you better get off the tracks. Yeah, and the words alluded, Chris, move, bitch, get out of the way. Yeah, it's like X gonna give it to you. No, Clemson's gonna give it to you because, and then they play because I saw they're gonna play, you know, Notre Dame. It's like a. 14 games, and then Notre Dame is going to be in the ACC this year. You know, conference for football. And I'm like, it's still not fair. Like, if they beat Notre Dame, how can they not be number one? People say, oh, they they don't play anybody. If they demolish Notre Dame, I don't want to hear anything about, oh, Clemson. I don't want to hear anything about them not playing anybody. I don't want to hear anything about, oh, well, their schedule. Listen, look. Be better. Be better. And I remember, before we put a button on this, I remember when Bob Stoops in Oklahoma, and they interviewed him after they, when they played Kansas, I believe. 
And it was the third quarter, Chris, and it was a blowout. And they and they asked him, I'm like, why are you still running up the score? He's like, it's their job to stop us. I'm running my offense. Chris, they ran the ball and scored. That's when they had yep. Adrian Peterson. They were running the ball. What do you what do you want? To punt on third down? Yeah, like, exactly. To me, Chris, like, because to me – that to me always gets to me because that's how good Clemson has been. Like outside of North Carolina, you know, it was a pretty pretty easy schedule for them ACC wise. I go, what do you? To me, Clemson, you have Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne. You got defense coming out of the yin yang, a great D line, Tyler Davis, Xavier Thomas. Here's the thing, Chris, about Clemson, they've appeared in the last five college football playoffs. They've won two of the last four national championships. So when people say Clemson doesn't play anybody, well, Chris, you're not playing Virginia in the college football playoff championship. Huh? <laughs> you're not playing. You're not playing Duke or Purdue. You're not playing or Purdue. You're not, you're playing the best top, just the top four schools in the country. And like, look, who else? Listen, I'll I'll defend Clemson. Nobody could beat LSU last year. No one. I think no one. Maybe even the old ones. Yeah, it was Chico. Maybe the old one Miami team had a shot, but nobody had a shot at being LSU. Nobody in college football had a shot. And and it's not like Clemson, you know, folded over. Listen, just LSU was the better team. But but like I say, I think Clemson's the best team in the country because. If it's a conference-only schedule, Chris, I go, who, well, who has the weakest conference? Who's the best team in the weakest conference? It was easy. It was Clemson. Yeah, Clemson, like, absolutely. Like, if you're in the Pac-12, like, if you're curious to see, like, well, who do we have as the best Pac-12 team? Listen, we're not going to tell you. you got to find out for yourself. Because, listen, it's hard. And people are like, oh, where's the there's disrespect for the Pac-12? And I'll say this. Chris, we don't disrespect the Pac-12. We just look at results. It's because simply put, if you're in the Pac-12, there's they have parity. There's three to four good teams. Chris, it's not a, it's not a great team. It's just like, for example, when you think of movies, like I know you're a huge Star Wars guy. I'm assuming you've seen all the Star Wars movies. I'm assuming. All front to back, back to front. <laughs> Okay, so I'll just ask you these two questions. Was every Star Wars movie was it, was was all of them were they all great? No. Follow up question. Were there some were there more good ones or below good? You know, or below average, you know, I, as a whole. There are more in my personal opinion, there were more good yeah. ones than bad ones. However, the bad ones were just just terrible. Yeah, and see, and I'm a Star Wars guy, and I and I seen. I don't want to get into it, but it's it's the same the same way I feel about a couple of Star Wars movies. The same way I feel about the about Armageddon. Like you go through all of that work. Listen, oh, we have a second planet. No, 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 that's not how it works. Some bump, some Ross Perot looking guy shows up, you know. Rest in peace, you know, Ross Perot. This guy with a bucket of money. Oh, we have a second Earth. No. No. It's like Deep Impact, but what made Deep Impact watchable was Morgan Freeman. Period. 
I'm not gonna get. And I know we're getting sidetracked, but the reason why Chris, I asked you about the Stars movie was for this reason. That's the, how the Pac-12 is. The Pac-12 is a lot of good teams to bad. Like you can't name a good team, and when I mean good team, someone who's dominated, maybe Oregon. But even we've seen Oregon on prime time, Chris, kind of fall by the wayside. Yep. When they're on prime time. Because, look, it's like this. I'm a huge Saturday Night Live fan. Chris, you could be great, you know, on an improv stage in L.A., like Second City in Chicago or the, the, the improv. But when you get on Saturday Night Live. Whole another ball game. It's a whole other ball game. And a lot of, listen, Will Ferrell turned out great. Eddie, Mur- Eddie Murphy, for the record, personal note, I think is probably the, my top five greatest SNL because he saved SNL. And, yes. and to me, w- what saved the Pac-12, Chris, is Oregon. Oregon is Eddie Murphy. Like, if you take Oregon out of the Pac-12 the last five years, Chris, it's just like how SNL was pre-Eddie Murphy. It's like it's a bunch of – like, there's talent that came – listen, fun fact, Robert Downey Jr. spent a season on Saturday Night Live. Yes, he did. His career didn't suffer, but, like, so it goes to show you can find diamonds in the rough. But the point is, is that the Pac-12 is like Saturday Night Live, where it's one thing when you're great on a stage and you're on your side of the country. And, hey, everyone thinks they're funny. Okay, but when you go to from a national audience, everybody else may may not think you're funny. And just like with Oregon, Oregon went halfway across the country. And found out they weren't as great as they thought they were. People told them. So that's why I feel we didn't put the Pac-12 in the top. The closest Pac-12 team I would have on my list would probably be Oregon. They're probably maybe middle of the pack, maybe. Because cause I think we – I think sometimes when I read Facebook, we I see a lot of comments like that. Well, you guys disrespect the Pac-12. No, they disrespect themselves by being terrible. Go get recruits. Actually. Like, like stop telling, stop saying USC is an elite program. That's just like saying pistachio is a great ice cream flavor. Stop it. It's garbage. It's trash. Stop it. It's like anybody say, oh, pistachio is a great flavor of ice cream. <sighs> stop it. Like, listen, pistachio and the nuts, they're great. Don't put it in my ice cream. Get out of here. I think we learned a lot here today. <laughs> but yeah, I'm a fucking tinfoil hat fanatic now. You have a serious degenerative issue against pistachio ice cream and uh we still hate the pac-12 yeah i think you know listen we have our own thing but i think what makes us different makes us great and the thing is is that and some people may say listen oh well chris yeah he your tinfoil hat you know listen you you're right listen my pistachio hating i'm right when we when we pick stuff and we come from different angles it works like listen you can get to a restaurant two different ways. All right, people. So think about that. And if there's anything else you want to add, Chris, before we wrap up, anything else you want to add? Ah, man, just excited for baseball. Everybody, just do your part and let's get this corona bullshit over with. If you're out in the streets running around acting like an asshole, stop rioting, please. Otherwise, when you get shot on national TV, I'm probably going to laugh immensely. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all I got, man. And I'll, I'll just say this really quick before we close. And it's about – because I'm a huge wrestling fan. And they had a pay-per-view, Extreme Rules, like, you know, uh, Extreme Rules. And, like, Swamp, whatever it was called. 
I watched it. And I need to go on the record and say a couple of things. An eye for an eye match is the stupidest idea and gimmick I've ever seen in my life. Like, look, Rey Mysterio deserved better than that. He deserves way better than that. He just listen. When you like, oh, when you lose an eye, Chris, you know what? I didn't see any blood. There was no blood. Some guy came, some schmuck came out with a towel, and there was nothing when he put the eye. Like, oh man, you can. And then they zoom in, Chris. Guess what it was? It was like one of those fishing. It was a fishing weight. Oh God. And I'm like, ah. And then Seth Rollins did it. He's puking. I'm like, stop it. And the thing is, the best part of that whole show, the women's matches were very good, but I put it this way. Great matches, terrible endings. Uh, that's the way I feel about certain movies. Armageddon. But the point is, is that, like, the best match was the swamp match. They fought in the swamp. I don't care if you're anti-swamp or pro-swamp. When you fight in the swamp, I'm going to watch. And then they had layers, like, ogres have layers and dynamics. It was a great... People say it was terrible. We're the pandemic, people. Let's see you come up with some great ideas. Like, listen. Like, that's all I gotta say. I wanna see you guys pop up with some great ideas. That Swamp match was a great match. If you haven't seen it, go go watch it. Skip that eye for an eye, eye, for an eye match. Skip it. Now skip now it. you've got me interested to to go take a peek into uh, into this. I, 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 cause I, I saw something on the eye for an eye thing and I saw, cause I, I was actually going to ask you that after we got off. Um, cause I saw this thing come across like Facebook or Twitter or something or Facebook or Instagram. And it said like Ray Mysterio lost an eye. And I'm like, there's no way if like something that legit serious happened that that didn't make it on like ESPN or like, you know, I don't know, even like Fox News or something like professional wrestler loses eye. And then as I was uh, reading into it, I saw it and I looked at the picture. I'm like, dude, Vince, like Vince, you can do better than this. Like your talent creation team. I get it. We're in a pandemic. It sucks. But just go get a hell in a cell. Put someone 30 feet in the air and just throw them off it. I was entertained with that. I don't need swamps or swamp people or uh, flogging or eyeballs missing. Literally take a guy, choke slam him. Off of a 25-foot cage, I'm cool with it. I'm basic, man. What can I say? But the thing is, that Swamp match was probably my favorite match because it had layers and dynamic. But that eye-for-an-eye match, folks, hashtag do better. Because, look, Rey Mysterio deserved better than that. This man, let me tell you what you did to Rey Mysterio. This man with the late Eddie Guerrero in a custody custody for his son in a match. That happened. It's like I just want to know, Ray... <sighs> know how Rey Mysterio is like still wrestling. Because let me tell you, dude, I remember being a wee little lad when I was able to do some of these questionable acrobatic uh, moves. And, like, I would legit, because, like, as you know, like, I'm a shorter dude. I was always, like, the, the runt of the litter when it came to my friends. And uh, I, I I remember being a kid at, like, 10, 11 years old and, like, watching this dude, like, Hurricane Rana somebody. And I'm like, holy shit, like, I could probably do this. Like, I'm, like I could be, like, the white, non-masked Rey Mysterio Jr. of my friends here. Like, I think I could pull this shit off. You know, like, I'm not big. Like, I, I if I'm going to choke slam someone, I got to have them, like, jump and, like, take me with them so I can slam them on the ground. It's just ain't going to happen. And then, like, I see this dude now. I'm in my 30s, and I'm still seeing him do this shit. And I'm like, I commend you. Like, I, 
I'm about ready to turn 33 here in a month. I I get out of bed in the morning and I start bitching about how much my body aches. I God bless the sky. That's all I can say. I don't know yeah. how he does it. Yeah, and the thing before we wrap up, right? Look, I like the pay per view, especially the women's division. Uh, that's for a whole thing for another day. But look, folks, I had to say something about it. I went up on Twitter about, but I want to listen to you guys, the audience, because look. I know some of you are wrestling fans out there, and you all saw. Folks, you don't have to be a doctor to know that your body has what? Blood. So if someone literally, like, for example, if you see the movie uh, Demolition Man with uh, with the great Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes, they, you know, a futuristic prison was still, you know, Stallone was the cop, blah, blah, blah. It's a good movie. It's a very good movie because Simon Phoenix is the best name I've ever heard. But the point is, he Simon Phoenix took a guy's eye out. Sorry if I'm ruining the part of the movie. If you haven't watched it, then uh, go to the one blockbuster in the in the Northwest. But the point is, is that he took the guy's eye out, Chris. And guess you know what you see around the blood. You see, you know, you see the eye. You see blood. You see vessels. Factual. But if Hollywood can make it look real. Vince, there's too much it. money. There's too much money. Like, too much money. Jesus. <sighs> Sorry, America. I had to get off my chest. Pistachio, Ray. It, it, probably, you know, of course, every episode is a grand episode, but I think we covered a lot of stuff. Absolutely. A lot of, I think we learned a lot about ourselves. And more important, I think the audience learned about more about ourselves, which is good or bad, depending what side of the spectrum you're on. <laughs> but <laughs> depending what I saw, I heard, we heard you, heard you guys talk. And that Chris guy, you know, he wears the tinfoil. Uh, that other guy, pistachio ice cream, what's wrong with him? Like, listen, I stand by what I say. So, anyway, before we wrap up, you can catch... <laughs> we'll get so many emails. Too bad we'll check the emails. You know, Check us out on social media. Go to Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash sports the world. And that's facebook.com slash sports the world. Also, join our group. We have a daily poll. We have a poll every week. And we'll have one up tomorrow. Hopefully sooner rather than later. And go to Twitter. The Twitter is at Sports the World. That's for both Twitter and Instagram, at Sports the World. Go to my personal Twitter, at Ladarius underscore Brown. Chris, hashtag non-Twitter. That's right. And Instagram. <laughs> That's right. Instagram, it's at, it's literally, it's Christogram. So just like it sounds, uh, Twitter, nope. Facebook, you already got me. Uh, Twitter, anytime soon. Probably not still. Boycott Twitter. Boycott. You know, when I saw it's Christogram, I, I thought of like a Monte Cristo. I thought of a sandwich. And I'm like, and I know it wasn't a, I know it wasn't, it's Monte Cristo. Like, give me, like, give us some, I was really hungry and I'm like, oh, when you type in it's, it'll pop up. But I was really about to full on type it's Monte Cristo. No, hit that cheddar scratch kitchen, man. Yeah, listen. I can, listen. Ah, boy. Food is tempting for me. As, you know, I respect those guys that you're the hot dog eaters. Listen, respect. But once again, Facebook.com slash Sports the World. Twitter at Sports the World on both Twitter and Instagram. You can check Chris out on Instagram at, at it's Christogram. You know him on Facebook. He's not on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at, at Ladarius Brown. And that's all the time we have. And until you hear us again and Oh, hey, we wait a minute. I did have some friends that wanted to chip in and say something. Sure, go ahead. From the entire Channel 4 News team, I'm Veronica Corningstone. And I'm Ron Burgundy. 
Alright, that's all. I'm done. Goodbye, world. Oh, boy. Be real. Be you and people that's here from sports in the world. I'm the Darius. I'm Chris. (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) Yeah, I think we're done. We're ending to the show, but great content. See you next week. See ya. (laughs)